he looks at me he's like man why aren't you enthusiastic about this and i was like because i fucking hate the beatles <laughs> Yo, check check this out Caleb, i love you with all my heart but you are not talented. these guys put a pot smoking ottawa band on the litter or test best podcast ever just me craig no craig well it's not just me but there's no craig today but uh, it's uh been a long time coming we got adam tobias on the show how's it going buddy what's up man i'm doing so well thank you how are you i'm doing okay it's been a long time we met on the lost arts plants tour the yeah. world tour from london to montreal in 2019 uh, you played on two of those shows actually yeah and then you played in the toronto show and then we played uh we closed it off in uh kitchen or waterloo at the harmony lunch that i don't think is around anymore actually no rest in peace but to that place that was peace. such a fun show <laughs> the raptors uh the raptors won that night too i remember that was such a That's, good show yes i remember that yeah we did some uh we filmed something that night because everybody was like freaking out watching the raptors and then like like all of lost arts are just like not sports guys like we spent that whole tour just like just nodding along to plants, being like, dude, this is going to be historic. And we were like, yeah, for, for sure. That was a that was a fun time, man. It was funny, too, because I was in the middle of my own rip at that point, too, doing like a string of shows, just doing like the little right. Ontario thing. And uh, yeah, ended up kind of crossing over with you guys and plants. And shout out to plants, that band rips. They were so much fun. And Controversial so Sharks. So good. Another wonderful yes. band that we got to play with. I played with those guys so many times and they were so much fun. Yeah, I remember Max was like, Oh, this guy Adam's gonna play on a couple shows. And like I, I think you had played with plants yes, either I at least had, once yeah. or like a few times before that. Yeah. So I was like, All right, cool. And Max like really took the reins on that actually. He's like, shout out to him because I was like, I have no idea how to book a tour and he pretty much just like did everything. <laughs> yeah, that dude was super executive about all that, man. I hit him up and I hit up Jeff from Controversial Sharks as well and been like, yo, like I'm trying to put some shows together do a little bit of a rip like let's see what we can work out and it just kind yep. of worked out that we all ended up crossing paths you guys killed it i was so blown away i was all about that oh. that was so much fun oh. thanks man yeah man I absolutely know. you guys yeah. killed it it was a it was <laughs> definitely oh uh, actually that was the last string of shows i played before covid uh like as yeah. my yeah, as myself but yeah i did a couple session gigs like just before everything hit and then I had a, uh, actually just before COVID, one of the last shows I ever played was the show where I proposed to my wife, which was kind of cool. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. That is cool. Yeah, it was fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is going to be great. And then everything just shuts yeah. down. <laughs> the whole world just went. <laughs> yeah, we played, I, well, we, we played a couple shows since, but yeah, we played a show like the Friday where everything was like is this going to be a pro like people were kind of starting to be like, Oh, like fuck, this is real. Yeah. And then we were like, nah, it's good. Come, come on out <laughs> to the show. It'll be fine. <laughs> Don't worry. And like, I, I think it's technically like, I, I think I'm going to take it for us. It's like technically the last like real show that happened at call the office. Like oh. I think they did a couple like, which is sad, but like kind of cool to say that we we played one of the last shows there. Like I think they they did some like cover gigs where like they had to have like seating or something when when things were trying to get up and going again. But nobody wants know, seating. Kind of exactly. I think they had like a kiss, like a kiss uh, cover band and uh, some other like it was like a weird one of those like there's a cover band for like every band, but when you hear them, you're like really. 
there's a stained cover band. Like you guys get a lot of gigs. <laughs> you know, like the one dude who wants to What's his name? Aaron Lewis. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't. I'm sure there's not a stained cover band, but also I wouldn't be surprised if there was. I, I don't I know. I couldn't think I of think more than two stained songs. <laughs> Been a while. Yeah, maybe there's a niche there that we could tap into. I bet you. What if there's a puddle of mud cover band? Oh my god! Yeah, you imagine. Maybe I'll just start. Craig and I like. I've, it's got to the point where I don't think that it's ironic anymore that we like talk about butt rock a lot on the show. And <laughs> maybe we'll just have to start like a butt rock cover band. You know what, man? You got to do what you got to do to be happy in this world. If there's one thing I've learned, dude. it's you got to do what you got to <laughs> do to be happy. That's it. And honestly, like if we're just talking financials, I mean, it's gonna be successful. You just do butt rock cover band. You got gonna ten, make a lot you of cash. An Eleven out of ten success rate. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you're gonna make bank for sure, yeah. and it'll be depressing because you're like, if I could just make half of this money with my own original band, Honestly, I would be, I would be happy. <laughs> dude, it's always crazy when you hear how much cover band. You're like, dude, what? Come on! I have a buddy that plays in a a Rolling Stone, like a legit Rolling Stones cover band, and uh, he like did. They were already like established. He's just recently joined, but he was like running down like the financials, and I was like, dude, this is like a like a real thing oh yeah it's like, so yeah, real yeah dude i went yeah. to uh i went to mohawk college many moons ago uh, to study jazz and i ended up hanging out a lot of, with a dude in marco who became a very very good friend of mine i won't drop last names but he he plays in multiple like classic rock cover bands and the guy is not only is he an absolute burner of a guitar player like i've never seen yeah. anybody play like this and like i've seen some pretty stellar playing in my time but like marco just this guy just does it yeah he plays in these in these tribute acts and they travel around and they do the thing and they they play big shows <laughs> no yeah. yeah they play like no theaters joke. and stuff yeah yeah like, yeah it's a real yeah big thing it's wild I mean, it's not all of them. I mean, you've got, I saw a Motley Crue tribute band at the Rock Pile one time, and that went not great. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, if you can get to that, like, because uh, I, I, I think there's like some sort of like almost like verified status, I think, where it's like, this is like a legit. Are you getting a blue band. tick? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You got to pay $8 and you get like a blue tick besides your, like besides your name. Comes and gives it to you. Like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could be totally wrong. I guess like also some bands just like they sell their like, we're the only actual ACDC cover band. The, the realest, like, the realest Rolling yeah. Stone cover outfit ever. Yeah. It's like you and like a million other uncles, dude. <laughs> but this one that my buddy plays and they like they like all take their parts and stuff and like like i think he's ronnie wood in the band so right. he's like kind of dressed like ronnie wood and stuff right but uh which i guess is usually the deal but like i saw one of my first ever concerts was a uh, I was like fucking seven or something maybe and it was a kiss cover band i went oh, with yeah. my grandma actually and in kitchener I saw a kiss cover band. but they weren't like but they were like it wasn't like Kiss where like they were all in the makeup or anything. It was just like a bunch of people that were singing Kiss songs. It was kind of a weird, a weird like setup. Yeah, but now you're here. So I mean, in some way, shape, now or I'm form, here. that like that experience <laughs> shaped you as a musician <laughs> to who you are today. Yeah. And we're all better for it, man. You ain't got nothing to worry about. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, my first like actual real concert was actually Kiss. Was Buck Cherry and Kiss. Oh wow, and I was that's thirteen. That's a Rocky lineup. <laughs> yeah, dude. that's the thing. We saw. I think uh, 
uh, Buck Cherry's coming to London in like in the summer or whatever. And I sent it to Craig and I was like, I mean, we I think we have to go to this. And he was like, I think we do. Like if tickets aren't outrageous, like I think we should go. That's a I think it's just expense. that music also. Yeah, that's true, dude. I could write that off. That's right. You should. We're doing it for research. It's for research. If we do like a full a full podcast after it, that's business for sure. You gotta hit up Buck Cherry and be like we're your biggest fans. <laughs> yeah. We need it. If you need dude. It for a <laughs> dude, I, I, so I was like, I mean, we got, we got like three months. I was like, let's just put a butt rock cover band or a butt rock band together. We could hammer out like eight butt rock tunes. No problem. We'll message Brandon Edie is the promoter in, in London. Like, dude, get us on this bill. We did it. We got the tunes. We got a whole set. Dude, you need to hit up Kyle Wapler too, man. He'll get you all over like everything. Shout out yeah, Kyle Wapler dude. from the KW <laughs> Scene Daddy. That guy is is the best. Um, and yeah, he he goes yeah. all over the place. Everybody loves him. Actually, dad, Kyle, right? Kyle, uh, I just started booking for Call of the Office. Actually, he booked that last uh, show I was just talking about. So yeah, Kyle's a great dude. That dude is such a sweetheart. And I I tell you, it's funny. So I um, funny fun news. I have uh, a son now. <laughs> I, Amazing! Wife, thank you. My wife and I uh, <laughs> had a lovely little baby boy five months ago in November, and it was always funny because I his name is Tobias. He's beautiful, most wonderful thing in the world. And so it was funny because when we played that show at Harmony Lunch, I couldn't help but notice that Kyle had brought his kids with him, and his one kid was like helping out carrying cables around and stuff like that, just being like super useful and just like getting right in there. And I thought that that was yeah. just like such a sick, like wholesome thing to see. And that really made yeah. that night for me in a lot of ways. And like, it really translated to a lot of wonderful creative energy. Cause like, as you, as you know, from when we were performing together, like my sets were all like live looped. So there's yeah. an element that's like structured in there and the rest is just kind of improv. So it was cool because like a lot of the time you end up feeding off of the energy of the environment and it kind of ends up fueling that performance in so many ways. And that night in 100%. particular, I remember just really sinking into the energy of the room. And I felt that a lot of that came from what was established from Kyle and his his kind of energy, how he ran the show. So yeah, shout out Kyle Wappler. I've never had yeah. such a great experience with a promoter or booker ever. Yeah, of course. I've never had an issue with them. And I think you're right. Like I actually we played a few shows at Harmony Lunch and like it almost like on paper it almost like kind of seems ridiculous. It's like, oh you just like play on the floor of this diner. <laughs> I know. But every show every show we played there was awesome. Every I think we I think we did three and every time it was wicked. You yeah. know, and there's just like cause there's that element of like, oh, where are you playing? And then like you say and they're like, Oh <laughs> you're like, I know, but it's like also cool. Like I also love stuff like that because that's like part of the thing. It's so like, yeah, we played in though, we right? played in diners. Yeah, exactly. hundred yeah, percent. And like yeah. it fits the diner vibe too. I remember like I think the floor was like checkered pattern or something like that too. And like yeah. just even like yeah. the the menu that they had, just like burgers and sundays and all that stuff. It felt very, yeah. you know, uh not in our time frame you know which was super right. cool yeah Very nostalgic 100 percent. yeah yeah there's always something like i always feel like uh i always feel weird kind of like being in like a i guess like a heavier rock band and then i'm playing in venues like that because you're like man like are we about to put like a bunch of people out like i'm always like so jealous of like indie rock bands or whatever because you're like well you guys are like you know 
people like it's not like offensive to listen to where like <laughs> then you turn you know and you're like then you got the like you turn the gain up or whatever and you're like ah, oh, like you know and i understand that it's not like we're up there screaming or anything right like i understand i'm not i'm not trying to be like we're a slipknot into this thing but it's just still when you got like distorted guitars and stuff it's not necessarily a vibe if you're just trying to sit down and like in a diner you know i don't know man you got hardcore bands playing in denny's was that one meme video trending right now on TikTok yeah, about well, one band yeah. that was playing in a subway and the dude is just screaming his lungs out? So, I mean, anything's possible, dude. Live your life. That's true. <laughs> it's also, yeah, I'm maybe just a little too self-conscious about that stuff, too. Well, I mean, like, it's, it's kind of a cool thing, like, when those environments are, like, dedicated in that way, though. Like, not the hardcore band playing yeah. at Denny's or Subway, but, like, Harmony Lunch is a perfect example of, like, a space that, you know... Caters to two different vibes, you know. Right. Yeah. In two different yeah. scenes, and which I think is really cool. Rest in peace to that place. That sucks. Yeah, dude. We lost so many good ones. So many good venues over the last couple of years. Crazy, man. Like yeah, even like London's lost a bunch. You know who I'm happy is still standing, and I'm actually headed out there on I think it's May 11th. Is Doors Pub in Hamilton? Oh yeah. I love that venue. I've played it so many times. I love it so much. Uh the staff there are sick. People that show up there are sick. The bands are always sick. And yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna go check out Carrie and Vale from Indiana and Apoc from Kitchener Waterloo on May eleventh. Okay. So if you anybody who's listening and they're in the Hamilton area, go to that show. Oh my god, it's gonna be so good. <laughs> Dude, it is we've only played there once, but it was a wild time. It was like our first out of town run of shows and uh the band i got that i was gonna like have headlined uh, is a band called frantic lullabies and they're a wicked band but i had them like i had them on last like we were gonna play third and then they were gonna play last right and then they, they came up to me at one point and they were like hey like why like why like aren't you guys headlining and i was like i don't know like i don't want everybody to leave like after you play and he's like dude that won't happen and i was like well like okay like if you like want us to like sure like we will and then we we did, and it was sick. Like nobody left, and it was like I yeah. mean, it's, it's not a very big room, uh, but it was a while. And again, you're just on the floor playing in front of everybody, and it's a nuts time. It's so raw, it, like, and it's funny too because, like, for anybody who's listening, uh, my a composer and kind of session musician, producer, songwriter, guitarist, and so I've played. And a lot of different bands, a lot of different outfits, a lot of across, across a lot of different genres, you know, punk, metal, uh, indie rock, my own kind of live looping stuff, et cetera. And one of the things that stayed consistent is all these bands ended up playing Doors Pub. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool because I got to experience that venue from a lot of different lenses and see how different scenes interacted, not only with the bands, but also, you know, with the environment. And you always found that like Doors shows would go off like so unbelievably hard. Like you got people swinging from the ceilings, even if it's an in yep. indie rock outfit, it doesn't matter. People are going to go in yep. all the way. I had a mosh pit doing an acoustic live looping set. Like it's ridiculous. Nice. But, um, <laughs> you know, you always find that like the, again, the energy in that place, there's something contained within it that is very special. A hundred percent. Cause it, it almost has this like, uh, for anybody that like that hasn't been there like there's a bar in downstairs but the shows happen upstairs, upstairs and it's yeah. basically like it's like you're just like in a house like it looks like this living room area yeah. 
but it's it's like abandoned kind of is like the vibe. So it's just like you're like playing. It's almost like you're playing in a music video almost like yeah, like a hardcore like music video. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it's it's the it's the living room that like every hardcore band has done a music video in where they like set yeah. up in a living room of an abandoned house is like kind of the vibe of this place. Yeah, which is what makes it super cool because it is just so like it's not your regular like dingy rock venue it's like its own kind of thing it is yeah and i think that was one of the cool things about like playing shows was that you get to interact with the character of a lot of like these these venues they're in many ways they're very much living breathing things you know it's not just a space it's it's an energy container in so many ways and like you get to feed off of that and i think that that just stirs the pot of creative energy so much oh 100 percent. yeah that was a it's very similar to uh what call the office was here where it, it like when i moved to london and, and started doing this it was like you like you got to play called off you got to play called office right because it's just there's all this history in the venue like it's like dude like every band ever has like played here and and then the that history is on the walls. There's set lists from like Radiohead from the in the nineties that played there, you know, and like all oh. this stuff. And then the the building's never been renovated. So if you're playing there in the winter, it's freezing fucking cold. And if you're playing there in the summer, it's way too hot <laughs> because they just like they have and the, there's fans and like and space heaters, but they're not really doing anything. And there's just like something like romantic about that which like it almost sounds like cliche to say that but there is like that weird thing when you played there where you're like cool man like we did that like you got that like little badge for your yeah. band where you're like we were we're now like a part of this thing yeah man. you know 100%. whether it's sold out or there's like 15 people there and that's the thing about it right like i there was a so when i released my debut ep acrylic skyline in like 2015 I specifically p- chose the Paddock Tavern to play for right. my CD release party because Sinatra played there. And that was like apparently one of his venues of choice in Toronto. And of course it had been renovated, it had been changed, it had been kind of knocked down and turned around a little bit. But the energy right. of that specific plot of land, knowing full well that there was a stage there at some point where he stood or where I was told he stood, that was the that was the initial driving factor. And to be perfectly honest, I never actually even confirmed that fact. So that might not actually be true. Um, but some, nobody correct it, though, if it, it's no, wrong. But nobody corrected it if it's wrong. And no one corrected me. So there. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, like just knowing or even thinking that in the first place, be it placebo or otherwise, um, yeah. that really informed that. And I mean, that, that night in particular was a night I'll, like, I'll cherish forever because it was definitely, you know, a point of, uh accomplishment too that was kind of my first like step outward into the music industry of like oh hey here i have a product now and i'm gonna give right. it to you and then i'm gonna you know do stuff with it and i didn't 100 percent. yeah it's amazing it's, it's always it's this thing that i've been like fighting with over the past couple like basically since the pandemic of like man like i love performing and like being in bands but now i've like found this other thing that i like to do and there's like this like push and pull and yeah. every time I've been like, I don't know, like, even if like Lost Arts is just putting out music and we don't play a lot anymore, like whatever, it kind of is what it is. And then we'll get asked to do a show and it's like, yeah, sure, we'll do it, whatever. And then, and then you play the show and then afterwards I'm always like, can we, how do we do this all the time? (laughs) Like there's, there's this weird, like, like drug pull, like addiction to it where you're like, and again, it doesn't matter if it's a show with like 
20 people there or with whatever like you know it's a sold out room or whatever you're like it's awesome kind of no matter what if the energy's right you know even if you play a bad show it's still kind of awesome that you get to do that it is man and it's i've i've gone back and forth on this so much since the pandemic happened as well because like for a multitude of reasons i mean uh even before the pandemic happened i was doing a lot of like composing work and that's kind of not really changed i you know i've you know, still worked with a lot of different artists and uh you know producing for film and different things like that and it's it's fantastic i love it uh, but yeah. the thing that i've always found is there's like a some sort of a balance there to be had i think um but the part that really kind of gets me down is just the state of the music industry for live performance right now yeah. like and this is the thing like yeah. i when you and I played together, I had to come on stage as a live looper almost out of necessity. Number one, because like my songs at the time were kind of written in that way. Like I, I write with a loop pedal. That's just kind of what everything's based right. around. But also too, I mean, the cost of touring with a band and paying members to come out on the road with you and learn your material and rehearsals, that shit's very expensive. So yeah. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do it with technology. And I went on stage with like a line six helix and a loop pedal and some, you know, I don't know, a compressor pedal and some other shit. And then that was kind of it. I just, you know, did that. Um, and now since the pandemic, when I haven't really been playing shows, but I've been doing a lot of composing. Um, recently, I just released a new single called King Gravitas, which is on Spotify and um, well, Apple Music and wherever else you stream music. But it's given me a really cool opportunity, which is to explore my music outside of just an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar and a loop pedal. You know, right. I've been able to, you know, just write in drums and orchestrate and do other things the same way I would for film or commercial or anything else uh, for, for my right. own music. And things have kind of become like reimagined now. So it's like, I don't know if I could go back to playing shows just by myself, right. first and foremost. And secondly, like, the cost to execute something like that right now too especially right. when when venues want to take like 40 percent of your merch yeah which by the way if you're a band and you're uh, listening uh free advice generate a qr code and make a teespring account and let everyone order your stuff yeah. online and just put a big qr code where your merch booth is supposed to be and don't give these thieves your money yeah a hundred percent yeah that's actually a great idea too it's like yeah, you could you could make like a cool little merch uh, table and like essentially have like no merch. Yeah, or you you give like you know you give stickers out or whatever, and then yeah, because you can also especially now, dude, you could order that shirt right then and there. Yeah, and you can have a merch dude on site, you know, to talk about the yeah. merchandise and like maybe you can have a couple T-shirts there that people can try on, but nobody's walking away yeah. with anything physical, right. so that yeah. you know. It's, so funny thing, like my wife and I run a digital media company together, and this is a thing that we have talked about extensively since merch cuts have happened, because like right. we'll have artists come to us and be like, well, yeah, I want a tour. I want to market this tour, but like, I'm not going to make any money because venues are going to steal from me. Right. So what do I do? And this has been the one thing that we keep coming back to constantly is generate a QR code, put it on a big, you know, whiteboard or whatever it is. And just hire yeah. one of your homies to come and stand there and talk about your merch and just have samples that people can yep. try on or whatever. And uh, and that's that. And then just have them order it yeah. online, get shipped straight to their house. Thanks very much. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like. I think that's probably the future of it. Because also, too, man, like, what's worse than waiting in a merch line? <laughs> you know, it's, it's brutal. You know, is, I mean, yeah. for smaller shows, it's kind of cool because you can sort of like you can like maybe talk to one of the guys in the band or whatever. But even yeah. still, it's not like a. It's very quick. It's a. It's a very much like, dude, great set. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, See you later. Cool. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much. Here's a handshake of props. Yeah. It's really awkward. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. Oh, I love you. I love you. Yeah. Oh, I love you. Okay. I'm very awesome. sweaty. I'm very sweaty. The yeah. amount of times I've been told that or said that to somebody. I'm so sweaty right now. It's okay. It's <laughs> better to tell somebody that you're sweaty than to be told yeah. that you're sweaty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I remember I, uh, the last time we played Rum Runners here, I was uh, I was like gassed after the show. We hadn't played in a while and like I'd move around a lot or whatever. And right. I got off and like I just wanted a drink. And just trying to like get to the merch table was like such a hassle. And like I kind of sound like an because people are like talking to me. They want to talk to me, which is great. Yeah. But I, at one point I was like, I need a drink. Just like, like just give me one second, please. I'm making yeah, myself yeah. sound more important than I really am there. But it's just, you got buddies, you coming off the stage and everybody just wants to like give you your props or whatever, which is great. But I was like, dude, I'm so exhausted right now. Just give, give me one second to get to the table and no. tell you that I'm sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> no man it's not it's not bigging yourself up i mean i've seen it you guys put on a fantastic live show i've come up to you and told you that you were absolutely sick so maybe you were sweaty and needed the drink then too <laughs> yeah, no maybe, judgment. Maybe. that was the that was the only time i've ever felt like uh i don't even want to say like annoyed but just like just almost like uh it was almost like anxiety like i was like i just needed one second to right. just like breathe yeah. and then be cool i like the we've been there's a new or it's not a new venue but they over the pandemic they started doing shows at palisade in london okay uh, it's like a, an arcade like bowling alley uh situation but they put on great shows cool but the way they've set up their stage is that like like the green room is right behind the stage and then so you come up from behind so you can kind of get off and then like take your time and chill if you need to right and then then you can come out, which I love. I love that idea. That's dope. I love that. Yeah, man. Again, it's like it's the energy of those types of places, though, too. And just, you know, the fact that it's like a bowling alley in an arcade. But like, you know. Yeah. There was one place in, in Oshawa. Gosh, I don't remember the name of it now. Galaxy Lounge, maybe? Okay. And uh, okay. I had a wild time there in 2017 when I was playing with... Uh, 2017, 2018, I don't remember. With a band from London, Atria actually um yeah and i was in on session with them for a couple tours and we had a blast at this place and uh, it was the same type of vibe not a bowling alley but they had um like an like slew of arcade machines pinball machines and all that type of stuff and it was a lot of fun yeah the the bowling alley vibe is like pretty cool they used to actually have the stage over two lanes so people could like bowl under you while you played we did like a big like (laughs) <laughs> we did like a night there where we did like two sets uh and that was like that it was weird it was kind of like a weird vibe because like people if people were there to watch you they were like off to the side and yeah. then it would just be like a group of just some people that aren't actually there to watch you <laughs> play but now they've they've been doing like more like actual like proper shows with like like an actual bill of shows um, which has been really cool. It's uh, it's kind of like very quickly become, and they like, they pay the artist good, and oh, they like yeah. set you up with like a tab, like a good tab. Good. Uh, so it's become just like a a very popular place now for bands to want to play because there's like, 
And a lot of the shows are free too, so there's no stress of like trying to sell tickets and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, just do your do your part to try to get people out. But you're also guaranteed if you're playing on like a Friday, like people are just gonna be there. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, so and like shop. drinks aren't ridiculous, dude. It's a great music city. It really is. Like, yeah. um, there was always a thing here. So like, I came here to go to Fanshawe to like do. Um, the music industry arts program right and there there's kind of like this thing in london where there's like the music industry arts crew that's like a new crop of artists every year right. and then there's the guys that have been like born and bred here you know and it's actually kind of funny like with this show like craig is a born and bred you know been in a million punk bands you know <laughs> Lon- london music guy right and i'm like i just i just came here for music man <laughs> so there's like you and again like people break the barriers and stuff and like uh it, it, you know i'm maybe making it sound a little bit more like aggressive than it really is but there's there's just like those two sides of it which then creates this like huge music scene that's awesome. And there's like a little bit of everything for or something for everybody, you know. Yeah, I but, found I found it yeah. interesting because like one of the first times that I actually the first time that I played London was with Atria, and it was at the Richmond Tavern, and it was yeah. cool because <laughs> that place had a whole like biker vibe going on. You know, there was a whole bunch of bikes yeah. parked out <laughs> yeah. front and stuff like that, and we pulled up, and I was like, "All right, cool, sick. This is gonna be awesome." And um. <laughs> And yeah, it was a good time, man. Like that crowd went, that crowd went off. And that was the first, that was the first night of like the first run of shows that I did with them. And uh, it was funny because I had done, I had just come out of jazz school at Mohawk and that was my first time out in a metal band in like years because I'd just been doing the live looping stuff. And I got brought on to do right. this thing and I was like super nervous. And then I had a bunch of these like big, like husky dudes come up to me at the end of the night being like, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, cool. Glad you liked it. Yeah, glad you liked it. Wow, you're like, wow, your beard is like <laughs> four feet. That is that is insane and respectable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Those kind of vibes are like those ones can be like uh can be intimidating before you start too because you're like again those guys aren't there for the music they're there because this is their bar you know and yeah like, oh, they're not, they're there for i the hope my little i hope my little songs aren't gonna like ruin this guy's night and then when they're like that was that was wicked you're like okay thank god cool yeah it was it was funny too because i was on like lead guitar with this band in particular and it was like they had the you know when the solo kicks in, the band breaks back, and it's like everyone looks to you, and it's like, oh, but yeah. yeah. I hope you like it. If not, it looks like you yeah. might kill me. I don't know, but either way, we out here, baby. And it was a great night. We had a good time, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Shout out to London. Shout out Hamilton. Hamilton's got a great scene too. I uh, it's funny because I live in Tottenham yeah. now, and like. I haven't really gotten like they do, they do the little like Sunday jamboree type thing. On there's like a stage. Yeah. Uh, they do like a farmers market type thing. They usually get like indie artists to play, which is super sick. Um, yeah, but like definitely no hardcore scene out here. That's for sure. No. <laughs> well, not dude. Like where I I grew up in a small town, and uh, yeah, I was like the only like rock guy really. So it would like and my up? my high school was like I grew up in Meaford, Ontario. Meaford. Yeah. I don't know where that is. It's uh, yeah, that's okay. Nobody does. It's by. Do you know where Blue Mountain is? Uh yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. It's like it's like 
30 minutes uh, west from there. Cool. Okay. Just take Highway 26 and you'll end up there eventually. Um, but yeah, like my high school had like maybe 600 people, like maybe. Oh, I wow. think it was actually maybe like sub 500 by the time I got to grade 12. Fair. Um, but it was like very like music oriented. And so we would do like coffee houses all the time or like every year we would do like, it was called GBSS Idol. So you would, it'd be like a competition. Um, and we did like a battle of bands one year. But anyway, like I would, it would always be like a billion indie acts or like, you know, girls and an acoustic guitar. <laughs> and then it would be like my, my band would go up and like play the Foo Fighters or something. You know, so it's always like a very like weird thing. But again, it was like, I don't, this is what I, what I do. But it was very cool then to come here. And then you actually like you meet a bunch of people that are like, oh, cool. You actually like get it or you actually want to yeah. be a part of it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I feel that I grew up in Scarborough and uh, the rap and hip hop scene out there was right. It was huge. It's funny, too, because there was kind of a, a bit of a budding punk scene out there, but that kind of descended to downtown Toronto, you know, so you never really right. knew where people were coming from as much. But um, right. Yeah. And I remember like. I got my start in music as a vocalist. And so I was singing like Alkaline Trio covers at nice. uh, at my coffee house in, in high school and everybody hated me. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone uh, wanted to hear, I don't know, Nelly or whatever the hell we were listening yeah. to at the time that was yeah. cool. Not I, Alkaline Trio. Man, Matt Skiba <laughs> is, Matt Skiba yeah. is our Lord and Savior. I love that man. He's such a great songwriter. <laughs> Seriously though, like that that dude is is probably to blame for the reason that I'm I'm doing the stuff that I'm doing now because like just right. yeah Alkaline Trio is, is everything that band is fantastic. That's not a band I like ever uh, explored, but for some reason I know the song uh, Radio like really well. I had a I had a cousin like like a much like older cousin than I like make uh, make this like huge like mix CD for me one time with like it was like it's probably like a good foundation for stuff i like now but it was like there was alexis on fire and at the drive-in and the mars volt and like all this stuff and then he had that alkaline trio album was on there but i just remember like uh really like a attaching to that song and it's been a band where i've been like i should like listen to even this the album that that song's on i've just never got around to it but maybe i'll uh maybe i'll give it a go that'll be my homework after this episode yeah there you go i think that's good morning or from here to infirmary one of the two i think yeah something like that i know uh i know that it's like a red uh cover i if i, be, I believe yeah I think like that's a, from here something's to on fire yeah maybe i mean like a lot of their albums are red so i'm not sure <laughs> oh yeah you're right a lot of them are red <laughs> yeah oh it's maybe 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 i'll catch fire maybe i'll catch fire there you go yeah yeah, yeah that's it <laughs> That's awesome. Some dude on the internet after this could be like, you're not as big of a fan as you said you yeah, were. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> shut yeah. in before. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Never mind the people on the internet. Jeez. No, no, no. Definitely we've had not. we've had two two run-ins now with people on the internet. We're getting just just big trolls. enough. Oh yeah. Yeah, we got we got hit pretty hard on Facebook a while ago from no by shit. like all the all the old white dudes because we uh we came after Lars from Metallica. They didn't like that. Uh, now um, you done it. That's see, yeah. yeah. That's you don't come after Metallica. <laughs> it blew dude, it like blew up. It's got like four hundred comments on it. It was it's like I think just under 
uh, like 60,000 views on Facebook. This like l- dumb clip where we're like, Lars isn't a very good drummer. People were like, fuck you for even suggesting it. And we were like, dude, it's not even like that unpopular of an opinion. Like it wasn't this like wild take that we had. <laughs> it's no, like a pretty common not. take. <laughs> like whatever, like he's doing his thing and like that's Metallica's thing. So it's cool. But it doesn't yeah. mean that he's a good drummer. It just means he's being the drummer that Metallica needs. And like, yo, is yeah. that, you know, I don't, I, cause here's the thing with that. Does he need to be a good drummer? Does James have to be a good vocalist? Does James right. have to be a good guitar player? Like, does just Rob have to be a good bass player? Does Kirk have to, you know, use a lot of wah? I mean, these are right. philosophical <laughs> questions. But I mean, the, the point of the matter is, is no. So long as they're doing yeah. what they're doing. Like, I, I don't know if you want to get into 72 seasons, but like I've listened to about half <laughs> right. of it and it's like, it just sounds like Metallica doing Metallica. And like, right. that's fine. You right. Know? But it right. doesn't mean that it's, you know, I'm not going to put them up against like a Legion or Lorna Shore, right. like vastly, ridiculously technical bands and being like, Metallica's right. better. Yeah, you know, yeah. In terms of proficiency, like that's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. People people are just like attached to the the thing that is Metallica. What, what I found funny was uh, two things. One, people just being like, and who are these clowns? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're, you're 100% like. But you're commenting on the video, so again, yeah, you blew here. it up. So th- yeah, yeah, so thanks. So thanks. And the other, exactly. and the, the most of the comments were not even like defending his drumming. It was like the guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> like yeah, yeah for for sure. Absolutely. There's no doubt. I, we didn't say Metallica's not one of the most successful bands of all time, for sure. No. And they got some just sick tunes, but like it doesn't yeah. mean that they're complicated. I you know. Fuel yeah, exactly. is one of the best rock songs of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. But like, right. that's just straightforward. And it works. <laughs> right. And it's fantastic. Yeah. And it doesn't have yeah. to be anything different. Exactly. 100%. He's worth um, millions of dollars. Well, yeah, you're yeah. right. Cool. If you yeah. want to be right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are worth millions of dollars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't mean they're the best people. doesn't mean they're super talented people. They made, you know, good decisions. Yeah. That's all. That's it's what fun. it's about, man. Time and place. Yeah. It's not what you know. It's who you know. <laughs> exactly. The thing I love too is like we have all this like kiss stuff around. Like none of this is like if you like like I've got all these like figurines and shit from when I was <laughs> a kid. And then my mom like gave me the box of the shit from when I was a kid and was like, "You take get this out of my house." And so I was like, I was like, Craig, like I have all this stuff that was gifted to me as a child. Like, and he was like, "Dude, let's just put it out." So like in the yeah. camera view all the time is like all of this ki- and like this poster behind me is like it's like this velvet black light poster it's been above my bed since i was like five and i just That's love wonderful. the poster but what's funny now is like anything any kind of music opinion that we put out there that somebody doesn't like they're like yeah says the guys with all that kiss stuff and it's always like yeah, it's almost too much kiss stuff, eh? Like it's almost like a ridiculous <laughs> amount of kiss stuff. <laughs> like there's no way that it, it could be a serious amount of kiss stuff. <laughs> it's, like, it's ridiculous. That's why it's out. It's hilarious to just have a, like just be like littered with all of this kiss stuff. And then I got myself in this problem where because I've told my friends like, oh yeah, like when I was a kid, like I was a huge kiss fan. They now just buy me stuff anytime and if, if somebody has something that's kiss related i get gifted it or if somebody sees something kiss related they give oh it God. to me so now i just i have like it's just an abundance of kiss stuff that i can't do anything with so let's just put it on our 
stupid podcast table and it's and it's hilarious <laughs> just keep collecting it until yeah. there's no more dust. it's just gene simmons literally everywhere and it's the most tongue-in-cheek thing and you know what the best part is you're still gonna get people coming at you being like yeah. coming from the guy yeah. with a million gene simmons pop figurines and it's like yeah a million yeah you're right yeah yeah that's exactly a million it's just yeah. so funny because it's yeah. like, yeah, you make any, it's funny to us too, to like make some kind of, any kind of claim about music, right? Because it doesn't matter. It's all subjective. So you can be like, yeah. I think that this band sucks. Well, I can think Lars sucks, right? And then, and then just like defend Kiss to like, to the end and just be like, no, Kiss is the greatest band of all time. That's so funny <laughs> to me. <laughs> just talk just, just talk as much smack yeah. as you can about them on the internet and then defend them to the grave yeah, and then confuse yeah. everyone that's that's, that's yeah. gotta be the move that's gotta be what it is it's so funny to me like no dude kiss is has never missed everything they put out is perfect <laughs> all of it every single all of it's everything so that gene simmons has said is the equivalent of the bible yeah. and i will not be told differently under any circumstances. Dude, i i won't be i won't no. be told any differently i've <laughs> never met him sweet. but <laughs> yeah. dude let's talk about uh let's talk about some ai and music so i, I Yo, feel like okay. you're a good guy to talk to about this um, yeah, let's maybe good. just start with, with where, like, what do you, what are your thoughts on it? And we'll go from there. AI in music or AI music? Good question. Cause I do. Uh, yes, you're right. I actually have a note here that I, it's two different things. Uh, let's go, let's go AI music because that's where like, uh, that's where the fear, that's where CBC wants you to be scared is that is uh, AI music is going to ruin everything. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's address the fears of CBC. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's just push some. Let's put. You ready to push some narratives? Let's push some narratives, baby. I think it's good. Um, conspiracy brain turns itself yeah. out. Um, or I'm not. I don't really know anymore. Post pandemic, it's weird. Anyways, um, yeah, AI music. Do I think it's a problem? Yes and no. So I think that the most like low hanging fruit example to jump onto really quick is the whole like Drake and the weekend new single via yeah. ghostwriter, right? Like where you're, yep. you know about this, you know what's going on with that. Yep. Okay. So yep. like, I'll just come right out and say that that's kind of fucked up. Um, and that's one of those like extreme circumstances where it's like, okay, well, like somebody, somebody stepped over the line here. But I think the right. thing to, to remember is that someone's always going to step over the line, right? Like yeah. it's been, how do I say this? Um, like, let's let's go back in history and look at like sampling, for example, right? So, yeah, in my line of work, a lot of the time, um, I don't do beats per se because it's not really my field, but I do like what I call cinematic hip hop, right? And sometimes that involves sampling from old records or you know flipping different samples, these types of things. Um, and sampling, I mean, that's just taking somebody else's likeness and, and using it and reinventing it in a different way. If we jump forward to AI, is it the same thing? No. But I think how it's going to be interpreted is, is going to be pretty similar. You know, I mean, we already right. have like Grimes, for example, coming out and saying, hey, like, yeah. <laughs> anyone can sample my voice. I'll just take 50% of the revenue. I think that that's probably the smartest approach that I've seen yet. And I think for bigger artists it's gonna have to be commonplace at a certain point that like if you're a big name artist 
your likeness may be subject to use on the internet. But then that, right. that there becomes some serious ownership and property issues, like intellectual property issues and likeness right. property issues that jump out from that. So like years ago, I, I studied law before I got into music the way that I am now. The plan many lifetimes ago was to be a lawyer. And so I, a lot of contract law, a lot of intellectual property, these types of things. So when I look at AI and I look at the emulation of people's voices and people's likenesses, I immediately kind of jump to the courtroom of like, okay, well, who owns this, right? Right. And so I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of legal precedent needing to be set around the topic of intellectual property and ownership and like, what is a voice? Is that, right. is your voice your property? Or is it the property of the internet? Is it the property of the label? Is it the property of right. the people? You know, I think that this yeah. is gonna be the conversation that we're going to get into. And is it gonna be fun? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. It's not gonna be It's fun. gonna be, it's, it's incredibly, it's a complicated uh, conversation to have. Cause um, you know, and so it's like some stuff that I was reading was like, you have, you know, artists being, you know, like Ed Sheeran, uh, and Robin Thicke were in like you know separate you know lawsuits for you know their songs sounded too much like uh, you know Gaye? I can't remember the exact yeah 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 one yeah. was Marvin Gaye um, you know it's like it just sounds like it so like that's already an issue and then it's like you're actually like taking Ed Sheeran's voice you know and then it already I, like I know that it's already an issue just in terms of like advertising I think I I heard something like um. Like some companies, I think it's more like in China and kind of those countries that don't really give a shit <laughs> that uh, like, you know, like you have used like Joe Rogan's voice for like ads and there's like right. not even really any legal action that he can take because it's like, you know, what do you do? Yeah. But it's it's like I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> like I don't endorse this company or whatever, but they're yeah. just freely using your likeness to sell their their product right it's super messed up man and it's it's weird because i've always been of the opinion that when ai finally comes around it should be a thing that is able to you know remove you know labor jobs and other things like that that can help people yeah. you know live more of a creative life like you know ai right. and robots can come take over for all of the things that stop us being human so we can explore right. our humanity more. Right. And it's doing quite the opposite. And it's very, I think the thing to remember too here is like a lot of this stuff where AI is coming from, it's not coming from a good and organic place. Like a whole bunch of scientists and coders didn't get together and be like, how can we make the world better? You know, it's right. not really what happened yeah. when it came. And we don't have to jump into it. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is at least in my opinion, there are a lot of factors within AI that are very nefarious because right. of their handlers, because of the people who've created this stuff in the first place. The companies that are investing right. in this are not companies that are investing in the betterment of humanity. They're investing in outsourcing. Right. You know, and that's um, the thing. My one thing that I'm, I've been like, kind of struggling to understand just as it pertains to music and like even this like drake and weekend um situation is like what is the real outcome though if somebody you know so this guy writes this song you know and and tries to put it off as drake and the weekend right but it like very 
very quickly gets taken down and is like, this isn't them, you know? And so like, is there like a real danger and somebody like putting out a Taylor Swift album and it's like kind of just as easy of being like, this isn't my music. And well, you know, so the can thing. they make actually make money on that when it's like, no, that's not me. Like, so uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing too, that I, I always kind of ask myself, like when the whole Drake and the weekend thing happened, I kind of had to sit back and be like, okay, hey, first and foremost, why? Because if you want to yeah. be a songwriter, be a songwriter. I'm a songwriter. Like I can, I can tell you right. firsthand, go and approach an artist and say, I have a demo. I've heard your voice. I think it sounds great. I yeah. hear my lyrics. I'll, I'll take 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%, whatever it is, work your deal out, make a presentation. That's, that's how that industry works. I mean, I've got a friend of mine um, who literally just DMs art, like country artists and says, hey, you know, I've got this song. Here's a demo, blah, blah, blah. He'll hire a dude on Fiverr to sing the demo because he doesn't sing his right. rights, this type of stuff. And he just does that. And that's, that's right. how he makes his cash and he takes his royalty and he works with these different artists and develops these great relationships. And that's his whole gig is as a songwriter. So like when I see right. that stuff and like you release a, a song as Drake in the weekend, I kind of ask myself why, like there's no clout yeah. to be had here. There's no royalty payout. There's no big tour or concert for you. It's yeah. you did a thing to impersonate someone else. Like how do you even brag about that? Yeah. Exactly. Like what do you, like where's your clout here, bro? Like this guy goes yeah. there. Like I don't understand it. Like the label's going to take you out quick. Spotify is going to take you out quick and don't yeah. get me started on like, everybody else in those people's circles you know the ovo crew right. and everything in the first place like yeah. yeah it just doesn't make sense to me to want to use yeah, there's someone nothing else's to, likeness to gain. no yeah well and even as like a music fan like i know uh like a year or two ago as this stuff was kind of starting it's like oh somebody like you know got ai to like make a nirvana song and you like listen to it and you're like yeah i mean sure like you know but it's not nirvana you know you're like i get i get that sure that's like an ai version but i'm not ever gonna be like put on that ai nirvana over fucking yeah. never mind you know what i mean <laughs> like ever you gotta kind of ask yourself like from a philosophical level like what what level of consumerism are we really trying to appeal to here if like right. this is what this is being used for like Nobody asked Kurt Cobain to come back and, and write more songs. He had a good run, man. Right. Rest easy. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah, for sure. Same thing with Lemmy from Motorhead. I mean, yeah, you know, or the yeah. the, the Tupac Shakur hologram was another one, right. Michael Jackson and all that. Right. And it's like, I yeah. think that a lot of this stuff just ends up, you know, tailoring itself to a level of consumerism that like real music fans don't really care about, but hype beasts yeah. and you know, people in supreme clothing do, maybe, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Well, uh, <laughs> well I, I was thinking, though, too, because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about, like, Taylor Swift, right? Like, right. superstar, one of, one of the, if not the biggest artists in the world, right? Killer but, like, songwriter, shout out Taylor Swift. Yes, true. But also, a big part of that superstardom, like, the superstardom part, like, the music is only, like, a piece of that. Yeah. She's that big because millions of people have bought into like the person Taylor Swift, the story of Taylor Swift. It's the same thing when I'm, you know, we're talking about Metallica a minute ago. It's like when people are hearing like us be like, but Lars isn't good. They're not hearing like, 
I was just talking about his drumming ability. Like they're taking that like personally because they right. grew up on Metallica and like you know what I mean. They know their Metallica. Those are their guys. Yeah, of you course. know, and that's yeah. why bands like that get huge is because people buy into the story. Like I, I think that that's such a big part of kind of being successful, kind of in any sort of entertainment is people have to believe you, and the product that you're producing is really like only a piece of that. You know how there's so many great songwriters equal to and better than taylor swift but people like taylor swift so like there's that part of that of ai that like even if it gets so intelligent that they're writing like great songs yeah there's still the it's still uh it's still missing that element that makes art relatable and good i always had this interesting experience happen when i was playing solo as a live looper and that was that, like, I'm very much subject to and at the mercy of my instruments, right? So I got to tune in between right. songs, and I got to I got to talk to the crowd and all this stuff. Yeah. And I would do that. I would tell stories and talk about where these songs came from and address things that are happening in the world and how they've impacted me, how they've impacted us, and try to bring the room together. And you know, I'd always try to leave things on a positive note. So I would say things like, "Don't forget to love each other." you know, different things like that to really bring the crowd up and, and make them feel something. And yeah. you're never going to get that with robots. It's just not going to, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's not, it's never, AI could go as far as possible and it could, you know, I'm sure it could develop stories to make you think certain things about it. But as long as you know, it's coming from a robot at the end of the day, it, it kind of, it yeah. means nothing. And I think we've seen this too. Like, I don't know if you follow the whole FN Mecca thing on TikTok. Did you see that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to speak to the the facts facts of this situation, but I am going to say like a couple things about it. Was that basically it was a um, like a 3D modeled AI rapper type thing who was given its own TikTok account and was you know animated and basically all of the music was written by AI. Right, and so. Basically, I am not sure if it was like the, their key investors or the owner of the company that created FN Mecca or what it was. But um, I FN Mecca was of uh, I guess uh, mixed race or he had you know darker skin. He wasn't white. Yeah. Um, I'm right. not really sure what race they were really intending for there, so I can't really say. Right. But um, yeah, you know he wasn't white, and a lot of people on the team, I guess, were white, <laughs> and so <laughs> of course. That absolutely blew up, but I mean, it came off so weird. Like I watched a lot of it on TikTok, and they would have him animated doing different things. Like he would, you know, they would have him paired up with actual real world influencers, where they would, you know, a, a real person would go out and film something, and be like, "Whoa, is that FN Mecca?" And then he'd like scoot past on a jetpack, like weird stuff like that. That just kind of seemed so extraordinary not extraordinary right, but right. extraordinary right. and right the thing that i found weird was that a lot of people bought into it but it was it was a consumerist thing like you'd see this dude he had supreme sneakers or he had like a gucci necklace right. it was very much it was very hype beast you know and a lot right. of people really bought into it so i have to wonder to myself like us we're musicians we are people right. who've studied this art and um, 
and the and the lost arts i'm sorry i had to throw it in there um, but <laughs> zing but no we've studied the art of it and we've been impacted by it and we've been moved by its its energy and the you know music is the voice of the planet right that's 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 everything so we have yeah. our own stories to tell and so when right. we write music we write it from the human experience but what happens if you don't know the difference because I see a lot of these people right. on TikTok that are out, you know, rooting for FN Mecca to go do a Gucci plug. And it's right. like, why? Right. I don't know. I can't, I can't explain yeah. it. I don't know if these people can explain it either, but it's something to look at right. on TikTok. And so, right. well, I think it'll have its own place, maybe. And FN Mecca isn't the only one. There are a lot of these type of like hype beast rapper influencer people things on the internet, right. to my knowledge. But um, yeah. But that's the one that comes to mind. So I, I think it'll probably end up finding its place in the world. Right. Um, you know, but I don't I don't think you're gonna catch AI and music on like the shelf of your local vinyl store. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it and it's so weird because right now it's literally in its infancy infancy, right? Where yeah. it's like or it, it's like it's now at that point where, you know, two years ago it was again like Oh, that's fun. They made like a new Motorhead song. Ha ha. <laughs> and now it's like, yo, hold up. Why like why are you trying to be Drake on Spotify? What's happening? You know, and again, there's no there's no precedent sent. Yeah. No. People are gonna cross the line and that's gonna be the thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, like Ghostwriter, the person who's responsible for this track, is just kind of, you know, the thing is is that you've kind of blacklisted yourself in the industry. Like no one's gonna work with you, bro. Yeah. No one's gonna work yeah. with you. Like I've I've yeah. seen this happen where like someone makes a bad decision and that ripples outward into their reputation. And then like 10 and 20 industry people are just like, no, nah, no, nah, sorry. Yeah. Can't do it yeah. because you, because you fucked up, you made a bad decision and like <laughs> infringing on the copyright of two of the biggest Canadian <laughs> hip hop and yeah. R&B artists. Yeah. Not a good decision, you know. Yeah, and you're, it, and you're, you're trying to take uh, money out of Universal's pocket. They're not going to like that. Oh. No, not at all. I, th I thought that was so funny. Like one, like their like uh, statement they put out was like very much. I I felt very much to the tone of just like we're not making money from this. So no. stop it, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and oh, oh, thing. and and also we're protecting Drake in the weekend, right? Also that as well. Yeah, <laughs> they don't care about that. They just care about the money. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but that's the thing, yeah, man. Is I, it? You know, I think it'll end up being cool hype beast thing like yeah i don't know man it's it's hard to say because like a lot of these things seem to be one and dones like i know a lot of dudes that use mid journey now for album artwork i've played around with it myself right. you know full disclosure yeah. but i'm also a graphic yeah. designer so like i yeah. usually just end up doing my album artwork myself anyway yeah. um yeah but like you know i don't know lensa ai i think it was like made like a hundred thousand or a hundred million i can't remember the number and like which is very big difference but it's one of those um right. in like a day when everyone started augmenting their profile pictures and everything not right but i mean right. look at all the data they collected too right yeah and that's yeah. that's another thing about ai that's yeah. another conversation for another day is the data around it because that's right. also yeah. terrifying but yeah and that's the thing too it's just like then because it's new it's like whoa that's cool you can uh you know I, there was one going around last i can't remember what the thing was called but it was like i just went in and i made all of these like i would just put in uh, you put in like keywords and then pick i think like the art style and yeah. then it would like make like a little piece of art or whatever and i just did it for like every lost art song just to like see 
yeah, what sure. it would do or whatever. But that's really the most I've ever uh, played around with it. But it's all very like uh, like um, that FM Mecca thing you were just talking about. It's all very like Black Mirror. I was kind of like yeah. just getting that vibe when you were explaining. It. I was like, oh yeah, that's terrifying that they could act like my whole like it's the story of Taylor Swift. It's like right. I'll, we'll just make a story around this person that we've created. Well, that's the thing. You can I mean you can go on a chat GPT and ask it to, you know, write a, a backstory to an artist who struggled with heroin and had, you know, a parental abandonment right. and this and that and the next thing. And like, it'll spit it out. So this, this is the thing, man, is I think at a certain point, like AI music in particular will have its place. And I think it'll right. just be a thing like, you know, underground French house music or something like that. We're very right. niche subgenre that yeah. people can explore. Um, I think the really, the bigger issues is how it's going to affect artists in particular. And one of these ways that I've seen that I find interesting and disturbing is Spotify, and I don't know if they've fixed this yet, but I remember seeing a TikTok about this a couple of days ago. And it was that um, a couple of dudes had found multiples of the same song in a playlist. And the song, every time it popped up, was the same song, but it was a different artist and a different song title. And often the album artwork was just stock album artwork that just looked like a stock image, you know, combed from right. the internet. And there were right. hundreds of these on Spotify. So the real question is, is then if Spotify overloads its own platform with AI music, do they end up paying artists even less? And when you factor in the fact that Spotify now has discovery mode, which by the way, doesn't do anybody any fucking whatsoever. Yeah, no. No, it oh, take, take 30% of your income, but we'll show you to more people. By the way, when everyone uses this service, we're just going to pay you 70%, everybody, and that's the end of it. No, we're not nefarious. It's totally for you. Nice people. Trust us. Ser no, don't use discovery. If you're an artist and you're watching this, for the love of God, don't use discovery mode. But like, that's the thing, right? If they keep overloading their own servers with AI music, how long until they can start cutting what they're paying artists again? Which I mean, not like right. they're paying it anything in the first place, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. Just saving themselves that much more. That's great. I got to look into that. That's fucking nuts. I didn't even think about that. Because I thing. know uh, this isn't like quite the same thing, but uh, last summer, um, buddies of ours cleopatrick they uh some band oh, put up their sick. song they're they're cool they're cool guys yeah, um some band put a put up a song and then like had like like put cleopatrick as like whatever like a contributor or whatever oh, so like in all of like people's fucking that follow cleopatrick like their release radars had this song in it right and then because like cleopatrick's like successful on spotify yeah, they like they're like the top of everybody's like they're like the cover of everybody's release radar. So then we're like, yo, what the fuck? And then you realize like, no, what? And like, it takes a couple of days. Like you, they get it sorted out and their name taken off of it. But then like that guy, and you're like, that's a really sneaky way to. But I, I also wonder, does that even work? Because then for me, I'm like, well, like fuck you though. Like I'm not gonna listen to your song because <laughs> you use this band that I like to try to get me to listen to it. And I don't even think it was like even kind of like it, it was like a whole different thing you know it's not even like they were similar artists where like maybe you could grab on to somebody it was like a whole nother thing 
Isn't that like an, you're like? So I always I wondered about this because <clears throat> so I had a feature that was on Spotify before I was on Spotify, right? Right. So I was on this guy's track Tilly P. He has this uh, song called Under Stars, which is like this like ambient spoken word track. And then like when the spoken word breaks off, this is kind of huge guitar solo that I perform. And um, right. so when I actually, I was very, very, very late to Spotify. I literally put my music up last year and that's because previously just through Bandcamp and everything, I'd been able to not yeah. need to do that. So that was fine. So I uploaded my stuff to Spotify and Spotify asked me, um, to, you know, indicate any other music where you where you perform, and I was already listed there, but then right. there was never like an email sent or anything. Right. <laughs> they just they saw the name Adam Tobias and they were like, "Oh, is this yeah. you?" But I was never yeah. a point where like Spotify emailed me and they were like, "Hey, like we see like the, this thing." I wasn't even on there, and then when I got on right. there, they just told me to select the tracks that i was on and it's like right but then why was there no approval process for cleopatric in this is what i want right. to know like, yeah. why didn't you send an email because yeah. they're both on spotify like i don't understand right that's terrible yeah. did you actually yeah even like yeah even like through their um yeah like whatever like their cd baby or whoever you know like yeah. whoever they're distributing through where it's like hey like yeah you should be able to sign off on a feature <laughs> like it should right. literally be as easy as like Yes, yes or no. <laughs> that should be it. So yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even think about that too. Because then you got to go through like a like you got to go through the headache of like, hey, we're not. This isn't us. And then the onus <laughs> you know? is and on it, you. Like, why is yeah. it, why do I have to solve this? I was just trying to go about yeah. my days. Somebody's trying to steal clout off my plate <laughs> for what? Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Our buddies, uh. I have uh, friends in a band called Dime, and they're um, they're like this pop rock band, and they were having trouble when they were first getting on Spotify, is because their name's Dime. Like, there's like kind of like a bunch of different artists named Dime, okay. and I think their first three singles, every single time they would be promoting the release, release coming up, it's release day tomorrow. It'd go up, and it'd be on somebody else's page, and then so, and they're like. like Cam would be like so frustrated all the time because it's like that first day is like that's like a huge Important. part of your streams, right? And they're Important. all going to somebody else, you know? And it's just like, and again, it's like a days long, even, even if you get through and they're like, cool, we'll fix it, it still takes a few days for them to get everything sorted out and put it where it needs to go. Well, let's just send this whole podcast to DistroKid and CD Baby <laughs> and the rest of them and let it be known. Just <laughs> let me put my IPI number in. That's it. That's all I want. I just want to link my SoCan account. I just want to link. Let me spell it out really slowly. I just want to link my SoCan account. And I don't even have this problem, but I'm terrified of this problem. And right. I'm worried about it. Like, I was surprised that, like, when I search Adam Tobias, I'm the only one who pops up. So, okay, great. But, right. like, if some dude somewhere yeah. there's another there's an adam tobias who's a saxophone player well if that guy cuts a record and puts it on spotify i just right. want to link my ipi number distro kid right. call me okay <laughs> we can talk about this like civil human beings but i'm getting real fed up with you not paying attention to basic shit <laughs> but they make it so easy for you adam to get your music out there they do. DistroKid's amazing. I love DistroKid. I think they're fantastic. But like, if you don't let me link my bloody IPI number, I swear to God. 
<laughs> which again should be very easy to do it should They've be got a, i haven't i haven't been on distro kid in a while we haven't put out music in a while but uh i remember like their interface being like pretty easy to navigate just yeah yeah you should be able to have plus like distro kid really advertises itself as sort of like a one-stop shop like everything you can get paid here you can like yeah everything's here but so, the problem yeah, you should is, definitely is be able to linking it back with socan is the thing and i mean right. i don't know maybe there's something maybe there's something that i missed um because like socan's platform also looks like it was built in 1992 <laughs> right. which is a whole other thing also socan call me <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's something I've never. I went through the whole process for SoCan, and all I had to do was like sign the documents and send them back. And I just I never did that. I think it's still in my downloads folder. Man, I need to do. I don't. Not that there's a lot of money waiting for me there, but you know, I Get should your still. Royalties, man. I should still do it, dude. I could go buy some coffees. You know, I'd probably get coffees for like three months. You know, for three, you got three whole months for the coffees. <laughs> that's, that's a good cash. <laughs> all right. I had uh, I had an experience a while ago that actually like threw me way off, and I have I have to give props to props to Sokan because they did help me out. But um, so I, like I said, I compose for media, and like one of the things that I do is I just I write albums worth of music that can be used for TV and commercial and stuff, and then I sell them sell the rights. Uh, so right. I maintain the ownership, but like I you know I permit yeah. companies to pitch to other companies on my behalf to use my music and then take a cut. So right. I had uh, a lot of the stuff has just been done privately before. So I didn't really have to worry about a lot of stuff with SoCan. I ended up pitching out to a music library um, that I figured was probably just going to pick up one or two of these tracks off this album. They wanted all of them. And uh, I also, like I work with a mixing engineer who takes a percentage and I also work with a vocalist also takes a percentage and right. we had to put all of this paperwork together inside of like a week very urgently <laughs> and right. uh and it was an absolute nightmare i had to jump between like two and three different departments in socan performance rights and uh reproduction rights etc to try and like get everything sorted because you have your you know your master royalties um and the uh, and like the reproduction, like the performance royalties as well, and uh, yeah, and it was an absolute nightmare of paperwork and signatures and you know Adobe PDFs everywhere for like a <laughs> week straight, and it was such a headache. But we got it done. But yeah, getting your get your music registered, get your pay, even if it's like coffee money, that's still your money. Yeah, but the paperwork is definitely a headache for sure. Yeah, you should get your money. I should get. I'm saying that to me. You get should your get money, your money, Caleb. <laughs> get your money. Come on. Listen to this shit. Speaking of music, mm-hmm. let's do. Uh, this is a segment called "Listen to This Shit," and uh, it's just we just rhyme off some stuff that we've been listening to. So cool. Let us okay. Have it. Yeah, um, I've got a new single out on Spotify and everywhere else that you listen to music called King Gravitas that actually features a guitar from a local builder in Hamilton. Shout out Bailey Instrumental. This thing's absolutely sick.
You can go check that out, and um, I've got a new single coming out in a couple weeks called I Was Never Here. That will also be available everywhere. Uh, In terms of what I want to plug and what I've been listening to, (laughs) um, I've been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. Uh, Really? I I don't even care. (laughs) Go listen to it. Go watch it on Disney+. Plus. It's so damn good. I saw it live in Toronto with my sister-in-law. It was absolutely amazing. Um, Yeah, I've been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack a lot, and... I've also been listening to um, a lot of uh, like the Doom Eternal style music and like just okay. like a lot yeah. of like tech death type stuff. So Allegion has been really big for me. Obscura is another one that's been really big for me recently. Um, right. And the, yeah, like the Doom Eternal soundtrack and the Hamilton soundtrack. It's, it's great. Dude, that's so funny. That's awesome. Um, do you like, because you're somebody that's writing music like for film and stuff, do you listen to just a lot of like scores yeah yeah i do yeah. i i love everything that danny elfman uh does um okay the one actually um danny elfman i listen to a lot uh, i also listen to a lot of hans zimmer obviously um yeah. but the one dude who actually really caught me out was blake neely i don't know if you watch a lot of youtube but adam neely the jazz guy Ah, uh, that name rings a bell. Okay, so anyways, his dad is, is, a, is yeah. a composer. Adam Neely's a bass player. Okay. He plays in Sungazer, great band. Um, okay. But uh, Blake Neely, I guess, is his dad, and he did the soundtrack for You on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that cool. show is that shows uh, a really unreal, yeah, a really good <laughs> yeah. show. Uh, yeah, but the soundtrack yeah. was really captivating to me. So I've kind of like gone yep. deep in that, and just like having like sometimes I'll just have episodes like playing just to kind of like listen right um but uh yeah i'm big into soundtracks man i like i like a lot of that stuff i just i like sometimes i'll pull up a lot of the like the epic playlists uh yeah. like the epic battle music playlists and stuff like that right. i think is is always yeah. super inspirational i work a lot with strings so i like a lot of music with like with strings you know right a lot of like the epic That's orchestral wicked. stuff i'm not a big classical person i wish i could be more of a classical person right but um, yeah. but yeah, I like a lot of like soundtrack music and stuff like that for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I um, yeah, I I always kind of wish I was like more of a classical guy. Sometimes I like I'll I make the effort and I'll put on like the playlist. But there's something like I feel weird just like sitting in my house with classical music on. Like feels like yeah. weird to me. I don't know. Like there's That's like kind of almost like a like a serial killer vibe to it. Right? <laughs> just like. Any like any like any episode of Law and Order you watch, you know, the dude that's like a cannibal always has classical music on, you know. But <laughs> it was a big part of like growing up. Like I started playing guitar, uh, yeah. playing classical guitar, and then even like you know I played a violin and like orchestra and shit in in oh, uh, cool. in high school. So like it was very much like a, we had to do uh, in grade eleven. We did this big uh, class thing where everybody had to pick a composer and then do like a seventy five minute presentation on them that's excessive yeah it was pretty wild it was pretty wild it's pretty wild. hold attention for 10 <laughs> minutes let alone 75 does this include a performance did you have to sit down and like, violate and like perform I, a piece we did i think we didn't have to perform but i think we did have to like play songs but uh i did steven sondheim and that was actually pretty okay. sick cool yeah he's pretty uh he's pretty cool dude but uh, yeah, it was a pretty wild. Those two, there was that, and then I've told this on the podcast like ad nauseum. But uh, um, 
in grade 12, we had like a Beatles unit and we had to listen and like memorize like 90 Beatles songs. So we would do like the test would be like my, my teacher would just play like five seconds maybe or less of a song and you'd have to like, you'd have to name the song. And I was like very outspoken about how stupid that was. See, I had to drop her out of school completely <laughs> right then and there. I, yeah. I, I had a good relationship with the music teacher, but at, at the end of the thing, he was like, oh, like write a, like a note on like the written part of the test for like anything I can do to improve. And I was like, I didn't mind like the unit, like learning about them was cool, but like you, you like really forced us to have to like the Beatles. And then he like pulled me aside and he was like, I don't think I forced you to like the Beatles. I was like, we had to memorize 90 songs 90 that like at a songs, moment. <laughs> it's crazy. It was split up, but still <laughs> 245s is still crazy. That is, <laughs> that's insanity. Like nobody wants to do like, I'll be perfectly it's honest so with insane. you. I'm not a Beatles fan. And it's funny because when I tell people this, people are like, oh, but you're a musician. And it's like, that's, yeah. they don't they don't go together. No, it's not a thing. Yeah. Just because I picked up a guitar does not mean I'm related to Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I just never really been a, been a Beatles fan, but it blows my mind how much some people are Beatles fans to push yeah. 90 songs on children. <laughs> That is that it's is a, that's a war crime, bro. <laughs> like, I was also like, I was like, there's there's like fucking maybe two bands that I could actually do a test like that for, where you like you play like three seconds of the song at any point, and like, what is that? You know, it's like you have to like really like be in it to know, yeah, no what doubt. any fucking three sec, you know. So to be like, it's like, dude, it's not like we had to listen to like an album and then kind of like. Like it's like no. their whole fucking thing, and actually there was the very same test, but the year before with classical music, there was only thirty songs, I think. But thirty right. songs were like orchestral pieces, do like fifteen minute songs, and he would play like you know ten, fifteen seconds of it, and you'd have to fucking. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. I'm not just gonna listen to classical music all the no. time. And then there was people like people nor that like Beatles. really wanted, <laughs> yeah. Nor the that's true too. No, and like I, I mean like I'm. I'm like, you know, whatever, 16 at the time. Like, right. I'm like really in my my music mode where like yeah. I'm like stealing all the music off the internet. I'm like trying to listen to everything. And I was, I'm like, I was like why am I polluting my computer? I got yeah. so much shit on my iPod touch. Downloading every discography that I can. Everything and is infected like, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I'm trying to listen to all the music, dude. I don't want to just listen to the Beatles or like class, like symphonies. Oh my god. It was crazy. It was a crazy test. I had to go. It's just one of those things. It's so like it's just one of those things where it's like it's mute like we gotta figure out a way to test you, but it's like it's a pretty wild way to test it's, kids. Yeah, that's torturous. <laughs> I don't I don't agree with that at all. I'm gonna write that person it's, up it's, with the human rights department. That's <laughs> no man. I don't know. So yeah, the Beatles never got a fair Craig is is a huge Beatles fan, but he's also uh we've talked like a lot on here where he's like um he's not that guy where you're like Oh, I don't like the Beatles. He's not like, how could you not <laughs> like the Beatles? He's just like, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm a huge fan. He said he watched that, that um, Get Out document, like that six Get hour back. thing. Get Back, yeah. He um, he came over like a week after it came out. He's like, dude, I've watched it three times. <laughs> I was like, isn't it like six hours long? And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the he was like it's sometimes it's just like on in the background but like i've had it on three separate times that's <laughs> like, wild that's, 
yeah. that's fucked man come on <laughs> one of our one of our clients with our uh with our company my wife and i is uh national guitar academy which is like one of the long largest online guitar schools uh in the world right. and um their founder mike kennedy wonderful wonderful man um is a huge beatles fan and <laughs> We got on a we got on a call one morning to discuss an ad campaign we were doing, and um, he gets on. He goes, "Mate, mate, you gotta you gotta watch, get back. It's the best thing I've ever seen. You know, it's just footage of them in the room. And they're just they're writing music, and I'm like, okay. And he goes, yeah. it's, just, "It's the best thing I've ever seen, mate. You gotta watch it." And I didn't I, it, he I didn't know at the time that I just wasn't a Beatles fan. And he looks at yeah. me, and he's like. Man, why aren't you enthusiastic about this? And I was like, I fucking hate the Beatles. The look, I I cannot tell you the offense. I, I felt terrible, but at the same time, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know how to help you here, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is not a band yeah. that I enjoy. Dude, especially now, it's like you can pretty much see like the recording process of like any artist that you actually like yeah. and might be interested in seeing the recording process. It's like I'm not too interested in like what they were doing in the '60s. Like it's all I'll find, you know. Uh, like, I'll go George, watch Queens of the Stone Age in the studio or something. Yo, man, Josh Homme. <laughs> John Josh Homme is a guy I could watch all day. That guy is amazing. Me but, too. Like, me it's too. funny to me too, man, because like I, you know, I saw some music dude on tiktok was talking about watching get back and he's like oh and you know the thing about it is that like they're just in the room writing music and there's no there's no equipment there's it's just you know a, a guitar and an amplifier and it's like that's how we mostly do it <laughs> even yeah, now yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, all of this yeah yeah i still just i still just sit with with a guitar yeah. and write because that's that's yeah. how you write music and it's like i just that's i feel like it. it's a little over glorified because don't get me wrong they've written some good tunes none yeah. that i particularly bump on a regular basis see we're gonna get the beatles yeah. fans in here now eh and they're gonna be like yeah. this guy's an <laughs> asshole but, but i just you know it's you know yellow submarine is is cool after you've yeah. burned <laughs> six joints back back to your face you know yeah. but i mean it's but it's everybody's you know to their own no disrespect to beatles yeah. fans it's cool but yeah. uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is funny because it's just like, yeah, man. That's like, I've been in, I've been in a room just writing music with, just writing with music. the boys. It's not. It's, yeah, it's like, yeah, sure, that's cool. But it's like fucking with like sixty years ago. Like you know, yeah, I've you seen a million. There's like, been a million documentaries already made about other people doing that. Because you need you need the bottle cap glasses and like the weird like roll under haircut and like the fancy <laughs> hat and some real British yeah. attire and then yeah then we'll do a documentary about lost arts yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that that sixties video camera quality you just like make it like a vault yeah. pack music video where it's just like pummeled with VHS content <laughs> green everywhere you can barely see anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just put on a fake British accent. Be like, yeah, man, it's fantastic. Yeah. Give me a C chord yeah. four more times. <laughs> Move it to the G. About to the C. No, two chords. That's enough, mate. That's enough. Stepping into the side of Adam yeah. ripping the Beatles for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Dude, that'll be the clip. That's the clip. That's, That's the clip. It's going to make right it go there. viral. It. <laughs> just make sure It'll you be tag on Facebook, me. though. <laughs> yeah. 
Like the trolls at my I found it, it, it's really easy to get the Facebook crowd now, I figured, because that's where like the older people are. So if you get yeah. if you start shitting on, you know, that kind of music, you're going to get them. They're that's the, they're going to be the most though. engaged. Yeah, you just that, they're going to be the off. most engaged. Yeah, that's it. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. I haven't quite figured out the TikTok algorithm yet, but I'll, I'll get there eventually. Frequency for we'll sure. Yeah, I'm just trying to make the time for it. I got up to a thousand pretty quick, but now after that, it's like if I'm not posting every day, TikTok doesn't care about whether or not I exist. It's uh, yeah, it's absolutely that. Which I found like making the I'm not good for just grabbing my phone and mm. and doing something, but like if I can make the podcast clips, then I I just kind of like whenever I think about it, if I make yeah. like ten or whatever per episode, then I'm like, okay, I got a week to just like to post all 10 of these and yeah batching and then maybe i'll go and yeah yeah there was wow there was one i posted and uh i can't remember what the clip was but it was like i thought i thought it was pretty funny and i posted it at like whatever in the afternoon and i looked a few hours later and it, it did like nothing i got like two likes like eight people saw it and i was like <laughs> this is like a funny talk like what the hell so i deleted it and i reposted it at like nine o'clock at night yep. and then i woke up the next morning and it fucking like blew up like kind of like tiktok blew up like it wasn't huge but like you know close like over a thousand views which for us is pretty good when we're normally getting like 500 or something on a tiktok we're yeah like, yes there we go and it's got like a hundred likes and i'm like i fucking knew this was a good clip it's <laughs> just i posted yeah. it at a bad time timing's everything man and it's funny because like on the instagram era they kind of frowned upon like repeat posting your content but in tiktok it's yeah. actually like it's it's you know encouraged yeah. almost which is cool yeah i've heard some people that uh that like did kind of blow up on tiktok that was like the, they would post like seven a day mm-hmm. and then just like at the end of the day be like hey these ones aren't performing delete them Mm-hmm. And then, and then, then you can start to like focus your content better for like, okay, what's doing well. But yeah, TikTok's sure. so weird, man. It's like it's such a wild west thing. Like you can't. It's like it's. I think it's really hard to lock down like what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, it's out of its infancy now too, which is the hard part because I mean right. there was a really big period of time there were like the early influencers were just people who were posting, you know, and that was yeah. it. Yeah, you know? and uh, yeah, if you were on the platform you had clout you had influence you know and that was yeah. it and now things are things are changing quite a bit the algorithm's becoming a bit more difficult to uh to manipulate but that's okay you just gotta learn the patterns right yeah the algorithm's wild man like you can really watch your feed change in real time if yeah. you're on it for long enough like it's really crazy if you start liking a certain kind of video yeah in, in five scrolls that's all like that's all you got now yeah, it's you remember to weird. ride that not interested button. Yeah, yeah. ride that real yeah, I, hard. I just find myself floating around it where I'm like, uh, like when the F1 season started up, like I couldn't get out of like F1 TikTok because I had, oh, I geez. got like three and I kept liking them and then I was like, okay, like this is cool, but like I'd like to see some other shit though too, please. Like I don't want to yeah. just see this content. Show me something else. No, I know my my feed last week got overrun with gardening content. Which is fine. I'm, I'm totally. I'm an avid gardener. Like I love gardening. Right. So like I was cool with it. But like at a certain point, yeah. it's like, can I have my guitar porn back now, please? Yeah. yeah. I would like to see some Jacksons. Thank you. Please and thank yeah. you. Or give you, me some I've gent. A, <laughs> give me some gent. Oh, dude, I like that. That might be the name of the episode. That's perfect. Give me some gent. I, uh, hey, yeah. I like my O's and my ones, and together I put them in a cereal bowl with some milk. It's Cheerios, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that, dude. Um, dude, we've been on here for an hour and a half. I should let you get back to your oh. family. Um, we can um, 
we <laughs> yeah. dude i know how important that time my brother just had a baby in uh, august so oh, um, he's a hard he's a hard guy to get a hold of now yeah you said yeah. uh <laughs> you told me that before too congratulations to your family by the yeah. way that's wonderful proud uncle. yeah it's cool man it's cool cool being an uncle yeah it's yeah. it feels like weird but uh i was talking to my grandma actually and i was like it's weird like i don't like feel like an uncle yet and she's like you would just wait till she starts like you know when she starts running for you and stuff like that's when you'll like really yeah feel you know she's toby just crying right for, now. <laughs> uh, toby reaches for his his aunt is um my my wife's sister anastasia right uh, she comes around a lot and he he knows his aunt and yeah every time she comes around as soon as she makes eye contact with him he's yeah you know, <laughs> lights up let's say like well yeah. like he lights up with us and it's it's beautiful yeah you know? it's nice to see that he has that relationship with her too you know so it's of it's course, definitely yeah. a very cherished thing for sure so congratulations uh, to you man that's beautiful yeah it's cool man we can stop recording and uh and say goodbye but uh yeah thanks a lot man stream uh king gravitas and uh when did you say the new one's coming out um i'm actually gonna be uploading it tomorrow morning so probably be about three weeks the single is called i was never here if you want you can follow me on social media at adam tobias music uh primarily on tiktok and instagram but i'm also on facebook for all you Beatles yeah. fans, <laughs> all you want to tear me apart. all you lars fans tag me and let it happen <laughs> yeah. baby yeah i'm, I'm ready for Hell it yeah. tell me about how paul mccartney is the greatest <laughs> dude in the whole world um i'm ready for it but yeah that's where you can find me king gravitas is now available everywhere uh and you can find the playthrough video on youtube featuring the bailey instrumental contriver six and uh you can find bailey instrumental in hamilton ontario i'm very happy to be playing one of their guitars right now so thanks so much to brett for that because uh, that song would not be possible without him brett bailey of bailey instrumental so and that's that and uh you can find my business online at tacticcreativestudios.ca. Hell yeah. Sweet, man. If you need digital marketing. <laughs> Love it. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, All man. right. Cool. Thank you for having me, brother. Have yeah, a great night. Yeah. Tone Capture.